really should take us about 40 years to go through discovering God because he's so, so huge. But today I want us to really think about our worship. I know you love the Lord. You've proven that. I know you believe in the Lord. You've proven that also. The message and the series and everything that, that we have been talking about is not about pointing a finger at anybody and saying, look what you're not doing or look what you are doing and it's wrong. It literally is pointing the finger at every one of us and saying that we have a loving and passionate and caring God that has set up a plan for every one of us individually and corporately to attain the kingdom of God. We are passionate about the kingdom at Valley Community Church. The question is that we want to answer today, and what we're going to do is near the end of the the sermon, we're going to talk about Psalm 23, and we're going to go to uh, what David had stated and his heart towards God and really what this means, and it was going to show us this loving and compassionate God. But the question is, is God the one we worship the most? Is God the one we worship the most? Do I worship God more than anything else? And the reason why is because the the scripture that we've used and the story that we used was the story of the golden calf. In Exodus 32, we read, Now when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together to Aaron and said to him, Come, make us gods that shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. In other words, I could say another word, we are afraid and our fears are overwhelming us. And we've forgotten God. We've forgotten to put him first in our life in everything, even if everything's fallen apart. And so now what we have to do is we have to go back to what our fears want us to do. And there it said to them, break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people broke off the golden earrings which were in their ears and brought them to Aaron, and he received the gold from their hand, and he fashioned it with an engraving tool and made a molded calf, a golden calf. Then they said, this is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. Again, they were led by fear. See, a continued worship of God sees you through your difficulties. We have to understand worship. We have to understand, really, what does that mean, giving God our best? What does that really mean that that God is number one in our life? So let's remind ourselves of the questions we must ask. What is a motivating force in our lives? What motivates you? When you get up in the morning, when you're in the middle of the day and you're getting tired, you're getting hungry, what motivates you? Where do we give our best? Where do we focus the first of our attention and affection and treasures of our lives? What is the focus? If it's not God, we have learned in this series that Scripture says it's a false God. Everything that we are doing is worshiping a false God, a golden calf, a molded calf. And a false God is produced by fear because myself, and I know you, would never just decide to get up in the morning and say, you know what, that that statue of the cow that's in the children's room, I'm going to go worship it today. I mean, that's foolish, that's dumb, that's ridiculous. We don't do that. But the Bible's literally telling us, in essence, that's what I do when I don't put God first. The three main fears that we learned in this series is the fear of rejection, the fear of failure, or the fear of death. But we've learned that when you discover God and who he truly is, you don't fear. You don't live in fear. 
2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. It says, For God has not given you and me a spirit of fear, but he has given us power and love and of a sound mind. That we're literally able to handle the attacks of the enemy in our minds and in our hearts. We have a sound understanding as I experience you, as we experience each other in church, that we worship God, we honor God, we go to work, and when we try to do the best that we can for our God. But we also found that the first curse of following fear, and when we say curse, it's literally what begins to manifest when we follow fear. The Bible tells us you've chosen something else other than God, and when your trouble comes, the Lord says, pray to it. He didn't say that I don't like you, I don't love you. He says, I am with you always. But what begins to happen is the reality of the rejection of God is that the Scripture says, well, why don't you just pray to it, see what it will do. And I've had conversations with people outside the church, and, and uh, they've talked about how, well, you know, they don't attend church, and they don't go to church because, you know, the, the people in church, they're, they're always wanting your money, they're always wanting this, they're always wanting that. And uh, so then they're talking to me about all their struggles, and then I said, okay, with all the mentality you just said, where did that get you? You know? And I'm being gracious to them. I'm not being, where'd that get you, you know? And I'm not arguing with them. But the reality is, is is sometimes people that don't know God like you and I do, that aren't growing like you and I do, do we make mistakes? Yes. Do Do we mess up at times? Yes. But the reality is, is they don't know God like you do and the foolishness of the thinking of worshiping a golden calf. We read the story and we say, how in the world would Israel, with all the miracles and all the things that took place and the deliverance that took place and and all the the prosperity, the gold and everything, (laughs) why would they reject God? It's foolishness, huh? It's because they really didn't know God. They loved God, they wanted to serve God, but they really didn't know him. And the second thing that takes place, or we can call it a curse of following fear is you better be ready to have a lot of gods. What do I mean by that? Egypt had 10 primary gods. And that's what Israel grew up with. Israel, even though they lived in Goshen, even though they they loved God, they prayed to the Lord and they prayed for deliverance and God delivered them and they saw the miracles, they still, everywhere they went, they, they experienced cruelty and hurt. And they experience this and, and fear. And they notice that every one of the Egyptians, the reason why they did things was not out of love. The reason why they did things is because they were afraid the God that they worshiped would discipline them or kill them if they didn't obey. Buddhists have over a million gods. Most religions in our world today are polytheistic, which means they have many gods. So the reason they have many gods is that the gods of fear are so limited in power, they only take care of one area. God of money, God of protection, God of acceptance, God of safety. Egypt had God of fertility, God of the sun, God of the crops, God of the Nile. Every one of their gods were gods of fear, and Egypt feared they would displease them and something would happen. That's what fear of rejection, that's what fear of failure, and that's what fear of death wants to do in your life. Even though you love God with all your heart, and you are an amazing son or daughter of God, fear wants to climb all over you and tell you that you're going to fail, that something's going to happen, you're going to lose your job, and all these different things, and and we live in, in this box of fear when God says, come to me. Come to me, trust in me. So Egypt, every single day, they worshiped fear. So let's begin now again to talk about deliverance from fear. And I'm taking you to a place 
that in this place, fear has no place. It is a place that God has set up for you and me. It is a place that God has planned in your daily walk with him. In this place, fear has no power over you. Fear cannot penetrate. And that's why I'm bringing you, and I'm, I'm, I'm taking all the, the, the peels of the banana, and I'm covering the banana again. We've unpeeled it, now I'm putting it back. And what's inside is a fruit that will bless you. It's a nutrient that will take care of you. It is something that is so powerful that when you begin to stay in this presence, that you will see God in such a unique way. Fear is a choice, and you are not helpless regarding fear. Many people have given up to fear. This is just how I am. This is how I live my life. And I want to tell you, break out of it. If a fear is controlling you, break out of it, because God has given us a place to break out of fear. So let me tell you what breaks every bondage in your life. It's called the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. The greatest promises in the Bible are always promises for fearing the Lord. When you see these promises, it isn't saying something that you have to you know, crawl on your knees for, for hours like the Buddhists do. You don't have to do all these different things in order to get there. It says to fear the Lord, a high respect and awe of God of who he is. And Proverbs 22.4 says, by humility and the fear of the Lord are riches in honor and life. Humility and the fear or awe of the Lord brings riches. It eradicates the fear of failure. It brings honor, which eradicates the fear of rejection, rejection or the fear of, and life. It brings life, which eradicates death or the fear of death. Because we found out last week, and we've already known this, or I reminded you last week that we live forever. You close your eyes in this world, you open it up in heaven. You take your last breath on this earth, you take your next breath in heaven. Let me tell you a, a great definition of courage. Courage does not mean you don't have fear. What do I mean by that, that you don't have fear? What I mean, that there's the, the fear does not have power over you. Courage means you do the right thing in spite of your fears, in spite of what fear is wanting to say to you, because you are in that very special place that fear has no power. We have courageous men that go to war. We have men and women in Iraq and Afghanistan right now I guarantee you, when a bullet flies by their helmet, that fear comes up in their life. But what do they do? They do the right thing. And we have to understand that in spite of the fact that some of the decisions you have to make when fear comes at you, it may even cost you money. In spite of the fact it could even cost you your life, you ultimately do the right thing because you know the place in being with God. When you understand the God that you serve, it is a place you desire every single morning, afternoon, and night. Paul said, I, 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 I pray continuously. It's the attitude of the spirit, of the heart, and of the mind. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And the, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. You see, the fear of the Lord doesn't mean that I won't have fear again. 
The fear of the Lord means I will live the rest of my life serving God and doing what's right, trusting him for the results. Again, I want to make it simplistic. And the Bible really does. The Bible is not hard to understand. Fear tells you it is. Fear tells you that the Bible won't work in your life, so just think that it's hard to understand, so don't read it. Don't know it. See, I choose no longer to fear people. I choose no longer to to fear circumstances. And when you pastor a church, and when you pastor people, you face circumstances that are awful and devastating. I choose no longer to fear. I choose no longer to fear money or lack of it. I won't fear failure or of what people can do to me. I will not choose anymore to live my life according to what people may or may not do. I choose to trust God to hear his voice and to do what he says. People may reject you. People may say wrong things to you. People may hurt you. People may use you. But you choose to trust God. We're getting to that place. Where is that place that fear has no power? I am focusing my trust and hope in God. And that's what true worship means. See, when Moses goes up into Mount Sinai, they, go, they don't go back to the relationship with a God they ate dinner with. Remember the scripture we read? Moses and Aaron and the 70 elders and some of the children, they sat down, they had dinner with God. This love and relationship that God has constantly pursued Israel. And the moment that Moses takes a little bit more time of discovering who God is in Mount Sinai, they go back to their past, they go back to their fear. Even though they had dinner with God, the leaders, even though they sat with him and saw God, they went back to their hurts. They went back to the the things that have happened in their past and the experiences of their past. So they go back to a golden calf because they're afraid they're going to starve to death. Many times in my life, I went to a false God. Then the true God that I know can save me because I listened to fear. I made decisions based upon fear. (laughs) I see some of you nodding your head. That's you too, huh? You love God with all your heart. You've done such great things for the kingdom of God. But still at times, we turn our back on God and we go to this false God. So let's look at the writing in in Psalm 23. And let's begin to discuss this place of worship that fear has no power. In Psalm 23, verse 1, it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. See, if you worship God as God, he takes care of everything in life. Matthew 6.33 says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. You know, all this means, let's get it simple, all this means every single thing you can name in life that you have need for, our God is a total God. Not like the 60s, he's totally, no, he's a total God. Our God encompasses every area of our life. He, I'm going to use the term, listen to this, he enshrines, he overwhelms, his glory comes. When we are in worship of God, every aspect of God enshrines us. It literally glorifies himself in who you are when you worship. Psalm 23, again, verse 1. 
The Lord is my shepherd. I have no need for anything. He makes me lie down. Oh, this is awesome. By the way, did you know that the number one cause of sickness is stress? God never designed our bodies to operate under stress. God designed our bodies to operate under peace. Many people run to God in stress. Christianity is the only belief in the world that isn't a religion. You have to work your way to God. The Muslim faith, he or she, never knows on this earth whether they will be in heaven. Muhammad, who began the Islamic faith, said this, After all that I have done, I do not know what Allah will do with me. A good Muslim is always doing every single thing they know to do to earn their way to heaven. But you know, there is only one way a Muslim is sure they're going to heaven. That is that they kill a non-Muslim on the way. The reason why you have all the suicide bombers is they and 70 other family members receive acceptance into heaven if they martyr themselves to kill a non-Muslim. And if you kill a non-Muslim, you have 72 virgin brides waiting on them in heaven. That's so demonic. Keep focus now. It's very, very, very demonic. But we need to love Muslims. They live on a constant moving treadmill on trying to please their God. They live in fear, fear of their God. And that's why the anger and the, the, the essence of the way they think, that's why they'll do what they do, because of fear. Because fear has torment, the Bible says. Fear will kill and destroy the individual. In these faiths, you have to work and work and work and work to get to heaven. And because of that, we realize that's not the true God that we serve. We have the only faith in the world that we are forced to lie down. Lie down means this in Ephesians 2. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. You know what our work is? This is your work, to trust in God. The Bible says faith without works is dead. When there is a trust in God, you then begin to walk in peace towards the things that you do, even though sometimes the way may be hard, even though sometimes the way may be difficult. But we have to get to a place in our life. We get so brainwashed because of fear. We listen to stuff that is untrue. And we walk in fear because of untruth. And what I'm telling you today, and I'm being very straightforward today as your pastor, and I'm telling you today that you and I don't have to stress out. God has planned your days. I don't have to claw my way up the ladder of success. One word from God can set my future. One word. The creator of this universe. I trust in him. Fear will keep you away from the word of God. The Bible says to go and make disciples. You see churches all around the world that are trying to make disciples, and you see people that actually attend those churches that say, I will never be a part of that because they're brainwashing me. They're afraid. They're afraid of letting go. They're afraid of letting go of their golden calf. 
And that's why it's difficult for many to worship God. It happens all over the world. So what does it mean if we don't want to lie down? How many of you have a personality, you're a little bit stubborn? Thank you, one person was honest. (laughs) If you don't want to lie down, the Bible says that he makes us. The Lord resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So who are the proud? They are those who believe they can make it without God. That's the proud. If you are operating in pride, God loves you. You're his child. You confess Jesus Christ as Lord, you're going to heaven. He resists you. And watch this, at times in your and my life, it's not the enemy resisting you, it's God. Lie down, church, and worship him. That's what the psalmist is talking about. If there's anyone that knows about worship, it's David. If there's anyone that knows about worship, it's a psalmist. The one who recognizing, recognizes who he is. There is a time for you to get up, but now he says, I want you to lie down. And you know where he wants you to lie down? Is when fear attacks. There are some Christians who hate their life, but they can't stop hating because they haven't lied down. Fear controls them. Fear gets all over them. Church, don't sit there and think that not one of us, every one of us has faced this. Every one of us have to make these choices. I don't, you know, I don't care what we've done in life, what we've attained, and what successes we have. Church, the Bible says there are times we have to lie down. It's time to stop serving fear and start serving God. Lie down and worship him. He is our God. And I'm saying this to all of us. Stop serving all the false gods. You Get to rest. Rest in the Lord. Rest in his provision. Rest in his healing power. Rest in this. Lie down and worship. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9 through 10. says, and he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and needs and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. What are you saying? I'm facing stuff like you face. I'm facing hardships like you're facing. But what I've realized, in these times, I lay down and I let the Lord Cover me. He becomes strong when I become weak. In our weaknesses, his power is made strong. Psalm 23, verse 2, look at this. It says, he leads me beside the still waters. When we lie down, then he leads us to the still waters. You know what still waters means? Inner peace. He restores my soul. Verse 3. Where our fears come from are from the scars of our souls. Your greatest regrets and mine are from the things that we did out of fear. He restores my soul. Thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And like it, love one another. How you do that is you live in inner peace because you've lied down. You've trusted in God. And watch this. 
when you trusted in God, that means you are a worshiper. Worship is to have a quiet time with God and let him like an onion peel away the scars and fears of your past. Worship will heal hurt after hurt after hurt because when you are in his presence, you are restored. In his presence, you are restored. Watch this. When we anoint with oil, lay hands on the sick, what we're waiting for God to come out of heaven and come and slap us with healing. Doesn't work that way. Let me tell you how it works. When you come before the Lord, the anointing with oil is the presence of the Holy Spirit, God's presence. And when God's presence is there, all fears are dispelled. And true faith arises in your spirit. You proclaim the word of God, but in essence, there's inner peace. There is that, that point of, of understanding that right then and there, you are in the presence of God. That's why I tell these folks, be ready when you come to pray. Be ready. Be prayed up. Be ready. Because when you anoint with oil, it is an agreement that the presence of God will be here. And when that happens, it expels, it dispels, it literally throws out fear and brings into you and me everything that God is. There's nothing wrong with God. He's not angry at you. He's not ready to slap you around. He's a God of grace and comfort and mercy. He says, lie down. Let me restore you. When you worship God, you enter into a place that you have denied so long that you didn't even know it was there. In an instant, God touches you and he heals it. But let me say it this way. It's in your notes. So I want you to have this. When God touches you and heals, restores you, the devil cannot touch it again. Oh, yeah, he does. I go when God touches you and heals, restores you, the devil cannot touch it again because his entrance is fear and now you don't live by fear in that place of your life. Amen? Some of you walked in here and you're devastated. I understand, I've been there. Some of you walk in here and, and you just, just I've, I've tried that prayer stuff. It didn't work. I understand. I've been there. The frustration of a pastor is to lay hands on someone and not see a miracle. Because we're passionate at Valley Community Church of the healing power. Because if you walk all around this area, and I have done this. You drive around this area. There are people that are devastated and hurting. They have no vision. They have no purpose in their life because they don't know God. They go to church and they bow to God and they don't know the God that they're bowing to. Let God in if you're devastated. Fear then cannot control you because God fixed you. Psalm 23.3, he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake, stating when the Lord is my shepherd, I don't have to worry about the future. God will lead me there. But pastor, I don't know what to do. Worship him. Lie down. Rest in him. Stop trying to make an identity of yourself when God has already proclaimed your name in heaven. 
Your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. You've confessed Jesus Christ as Lord. You're born again. You're a son or a daughter of God. You can do this thing, but you got to rest in him and hear his voice. And it happens through worship. Psalm 23, verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the worst place in the world is the valley of the shadow of death. But verse 4 says, I fear no evil, for you are with me. God's with you. Why is there protection? Because I do this, I do this, and I show God that I love him, and I do... No, no, no. Why is there protection? Because you laid down. God is better than an alarm system. He'll protect your home. God is better than a bad dog. God is everywhere and God is everything. He will protect you. Psalm 23, verse 4 says, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. This verse speaks of the fatherhood of God. The rod is a fatherly correction. That's why the Bible says, honor your father and mother. If you don't live in an honoring lifestyle of people, then you will not accept God's loving, caring, gracious, powerful correction. And we'll always be making the same mistake. The word staff is talking about fatherly direction. So we have fatherly correction and fatherly direction. I have comfort because God is my father. Verse 5 says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You know, one of the greatest fears is public shame. I've known people, I've known ministers, young ministers that literally quit the next day because they said something wrong they didn't mean to say from the pulpit and someone said something to them, they went home and resigned. By the way, did you know that most, most people fear public speaking? Most of you fear public, speak, public speaking more than a car running you over. Some of you, when you have to speak in front of people, you feel like a car's run over you. <laughs> Don't let fear control you. It keeps you from God's call. It ends, I didn't say, the Bible doesn't say it stops God's call. It keeps you from there. And the call's right there. What God has done for you is right there. Oh, but I got to run and go find it somewhere where I feel good. No, that's fear. Don't be led by fear. Be led by the Holy Spirit. How are you led by the Spirit? Lay down. Trust God. Hmm. You anoint. Honor me. That's what it means. You anoint my head with oil. The psalmist is saying you honor me before the people. The, the oil is you have, a, you have been separated for a specific purpose. You anoint my head with oil. You have separated me to a special purpose. I don't care how much you've blown it. I don't care how much you've worshipped false gods. doesn't matter how much you've lived in fear. Today, you can change that. And that anointing is there. That separation of a call is there. 
doesn't matter what you've done wrong, what you've done right. What matters is the reality is that you are a worshiper. What matters is that you get to a place in your life where you honor God with everything you lay down. That's what worship is. When you look at yourself and you look at God, you say, oh my gosh. Or you could say, oh my God. But that's non-Christian. I'm just messing with you. And you sit there and you, it's amazing. If you truly could see God, truly could see what he says, who he is, you'll always lie down. Then when he says to get up, you'll get up with faith and a drive that nothing can stop because, hey, he's with me. (laughs) Nothing's too hard. My cup overflows. I'll always have enough. Surely goodness and love, mercy, will follow me all the days of my life. You know, this especially, I mean, I just want you to hear this and hear this really. Because what I have found in ministry, a lot of times people do not attain what God's called them to do because not of, they're not afraid of death of, for themselves. They're afraid of that for their children or their children's children. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. Some of us in this house, we fear our children will be harmed in life. Now, I I wanna say this, we need to take responsibility as parents, teaching them to look both ways when they cross the street, wisdom and life. We are to love our children. So many of you are such great examples of parenthood, of being a parent. We talked about the purpose of parenting. You need to listen to this again. But you can't worship your children. You must worship God. We have senior citizens that literally their bank accounts are empty because fear drove them to give everything away to their children that wasted it. The reason why some worship their children because They're living in fear of something bad happening to them. That's always there, folks. It's always there. You got our crew of our grandchildren, you take them somewhere, you you have to have 500 eyes. Not because they're rebellious, because there's so many of them. But you have, to, you have to keep your eyes open for them. But it doesn't mean that you fear. See, God can stop a truck instantly if it's going to hit one of your children. God can throw that truck to Indiana if he needed to. But we have to trust God. We have to worship God. When the Bible says, surely goodness and love or mercy will follow me all the days of my life, it is saying my legacy is my children. Did you know that God's more concerned about your children than you are? And the reality of that is is that when you begin to live in fear of your children, you forget your worship, you forget that place, that presence, and you live in fear, and everything just falls apart. And I want you to understand, your children are your legacy, your grandchildren are your legacy, and you need to recognize this, is that God has more concern about them than you do. God will take care of them, but what you need to do is lay down. What you need to do is, is, is to lay down and trust God and proclaim by faith and be that parent. 
When I am worshiping and following God, I will look back and see goodness and mercy is all over my kids and my grandkids because God is my shepherd. He's correcting me and he's directing me because he's my father. When we don't worship God and worship something else, your fears can come true. Job said, what I feared the most came upon me. Your children need to love God the most. Teach them that by example. Your children need to love and, and have their attention towards God. And you need to attend to your children too, yes. Nothing worse than going to a restaurant and not being able to talk because kids are screaming next to you. Am I getting too old here? My wife's a lot younger than I am, so. Yeah. Don't you just love that? I'm glad she's home. <laughs> but your children need your love and they need your attention. Your fears can cause you to stray away from your children, let them by themselves, and let TV and let computers and let phones be their life. But in giving attention to your children, don't go to the extreme. Because they're, watch this, now I'm going to say it, when you worship God, they become God's legacy. And God begins to look and call and, and protect and all of that. Even though you have no clue what's going on, God will take care of them. Psalm 23, 6 says, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. No more fear. That's what he's talking about. I will dwell in God's presence forever. Fear has no hold on me anymore. Amen. It's not just talking about heaven. It's not just talking about eternity. It's talking about now. It's talking about exactly where you're at, exactly what you're facing right now. What you're going through, the pain, the hurt, the struggle. And church, I know it hurts. But it only hurts more when you allow fear to rule you. <laughs> the golden calf meant they forsook God. Watch this. Let me just give you a little tidbit here in closing. Remember the gold they used to make a golden calf? It came from Egypt. Egypt gave them their treasures. Chapter 35 of Exodus, read it, tells us the reason God gave them the gold was to build the tabernacle, the Holy of Holies, and the Ark of the Covenant. It was to build a house for God so that the presence of God would be there. A house for God in your presence, but you wasted it on your fears. It's bottom line what was said in the Bible. You know what happened to the golden calf? I can tell you the coordinates. You can go dig it up. No, I'm... <laughs> Tells us that the golden calf was ground into dust and thrown into the river. That's what happens when we try to succeed in life with a false God. Let, let me just say it now. Here it is. That's what happens when I live a life without worship. That's what happens when I don't lie down. Fear takes your treasures from you that you are to give to God because everything that you've been given has been given to you so that you can honor God with it. It's not yours. It's his. 
your time, your money, your energy, your talents. You see, because we serve a God, God the Father, that Jesus was his daily delight. Daily, the Father delighted in his Son. And that's how much God loved you and me that he sent his Son to die on the cross. But Jesus, from the very beginning, I'm having fun with, with our youth, teaching them about the love of God, but Jesus, from Genesis chapter 3, proclaimed the gospel and said, one day I will come and I will redeem you back to me. I will buy you back to me. The enemy will have no hold on you because you are my daily delight. Jesus delights in you. So when you lay down, when you worship, when you trust in God more than anything else, you are in fellowship, you are in relationship with the one who loves you the most. My spiritual father, I use it too periodically. I don't use it all the time. My spiritual father says, I'll say, well, I love you. And he'll go, I love you more. Because that's the heart of Father God. That you may love God, you may have done everything and just absolutely overwhelmed in worship. And you are a true worshiper. But I want to tell you, God loves you more. And he wants to touch your life. So the decision is made. Do I want to be in his presence in worship where fear has no power? Or do I want to still struggle and struggle and struggle? Because life can deal you dirty. You can be hurt and devastated. People reject you. People will do the worst things towards you. And it can carry on the rest of your life. You make decisions based upon fear of rejection again. Or will you say, no longer, grind that golden calf into dust, throw it in the river, and begin to worship your God? And when you worship God, his presence is there. And any power of the enemy has no control over you because you are hidden in Christ. You sit in heavenly places with the Lord Jesus. That's who you are. You just got to know it and live it out. Let's all stand.